herzlich willkommen. Hello and a hearty welcome. It's nice to hear some German again, isn't it? Welcome indeed to City Breaks Munich Extra, Episode 1. If you're not, or maybe not yet, a regular listener, that title might need a little bit of explanation. So, allow me. I'm Marion Jones, and my City Break series aims to offer all the history and culture about certain carefully chosen cities which I've enjoyed visiting that you would look up for yourself if only you had the time. And there is already the Munich series, 14 episodes in total, which covers places in Munich. There's an episode on the residents, for example, and one on the Nymphenburg Palace, the summer palace of the Wittelsbach family in days gone by. There are episodes on people. You will meet, for example, the two King Ludwigs, who were, I think it's fair to say, both major personalities. You will meet some of Munich's well-known artists and musicians. I'm afraid you'll also meet Hitler. Munich being the city where he went from penniless artist to person who decided to rule the whole country during the 1920s and 30s. There's lots of culture too. Something on the Blue Rider artists, for example. Munich's very own early 20th century art movement. And plenty of more contemporary culture, beer, knödel, that sort of thing. Anyway, with all that already on offer, why do we need Munich Extra? Let me try and explain. I'm hoping it'll give us a chance to revisit the city. It is, after all, nearly three years since I did the Munich series, so a few updates, and, most importantly, some new voices. I have searched out some guests who live in Munich, love it themselves, and make it their business in various ways to help other people get to know it and love it as much as they do. I went on a hunt for a tour guide, one with an in-depth knowledge of the city, someone who'd be happy to talk about his or her work, perhaps someone it would be good to know about for when you do actually visit the city, and if I say it myself, I think I've come up trumps here. Jax fits the bill. He runs his own tour guiding company called Heart of Munich Tours. I'm sure I'll give the website address at the end, but just while I think of it, www.heartofmunich.com Heart of Munich written as all one word, no spaces. And here's how he introduces himself on the website, starting with a lovely German word which really just means hi. Servus. My name's Jake, but everyone calls me Jax. I'm a British expat who has been living in Munich since 2016 with my wonderful German wife. I began as a tour guide in Munich within months of moving here and instantly knew this was the career for me. This made the decision to turn it into my full-time profession easy. Over the last four years, I've worked for some of the best tour operators in Munich as a freelancer. My love for this city and passion for teaching naturally led me to start my own tour business in 2021, and I haven't looked back. I might just add that one of the reasons I was attracted to this tour company was the logo, which is a pretzel symbol. And just in case anyone's not sure what a pretzel is, there are loads of different varieties, but typically it's a savoury baked pastry. You make a long roll of dough and you twist it about before you bake it and you do end up with a sort of a heart shape. So it does make a great logo if you're going to call your company Heart of Munich. As you know, City Breaks always likes a little bit of history, so I went a-hunting to see what I could find out about the pretzel. It has been, says Wikipedia, the emblem of bakers and bakers' guilds in southern Germany since at least the 12th century. I did actually see some South German shop fronts with golden pretzel symbols as their shop sign. It's got a religious significance too. 
because, being a very simple recipe made with only flour and water, it was a food that you could eat during Lent. Remember, Bavaria is a very Catholic area of Germany. Christians during Lent couldn't eat eggs or lard or dairy products, but they could eat flour and water, so pretzels came in handy. And then, by extension, they've become associated with Lent and with Easter. In fact, to the point where families would hide pretzels about in the garden on Easter morning, just as you might do today with chocolate eggs. But perhaps I'm digressing. Let's go back to Jack's and what he has to say on his website about the pretzel. They're globally associated with Munich and Bavaria, and you don't just find them in beer halls and restaurants. You find them in bakeries, on market stalls, in cafes, and of course at Oktoberfest. They are an institution and have been part of people's daily diet for hundreds of years. When you think of Munich, you think of the humble pretzel. And then he goes on to explain it has various meanings for him personally. Firstly, I fell in love with a wonderful German girl, which led me to visit the city of Munich. I instantly fell in love with the history, the culture, the food, the beer and the architecture. And now I get to share my love for this great city with others. So how fitting then that the logo he chose for the company is both a shape very much associated with the city of Munich and also a heart shape. So let's get straight on with the interview. We talked mainly about the tours which Jacks offers around the city itself and some specialist tours out to Neuschwanstein, for example, which you may know all about if you've listened to, I think it was episode five of City Breaks Munich, the one entitled Ludwig's Dream Castles where we went out and about to see some of the castles built by Ludwig II, including the one known as the Disney Castle, the one at Neuschwanstein. It would take a bit of local knowledge to get yourself out there, so the idea that Jax has a tour and will take you is an attractive one. As we discussed his tours, I found out lots of interesting snippets about Munich and its history, and things about the city today. But first of all, I asked him about the logo. Here's how our conversation went. Viel Vergnügen. Enjoy. I was really struck by your logo. That's what attracted me to. to okay. So tell me what it is and why you chose it. Yeah, sure. So actually, when deciding on my logo, it really took me a long time to come across something that I felt resonated with me personally and what I love about the city of Munich and tour guiding. And uh, naturally, you know, using a pretzel is, is something that is associated with Munich and Bavaria. Although the history behind it is actually kind of unclear. We don't know where it actually came from, but many people here believe it came from Munich, which it might have possibly done. Um, so, yeah, I feel like the, the pretzel itself, you know, the, the shape, it really is associated with the city. And in my eyes, pretzels always look like one of two things. They look like smiley faces mm-hmm. or they look like hearts. OK, and then I thought, oh, heart, that's an interesting symbol. And I thought, hey, you know, the reason that I'm here in Munich and have been here for the last five years is because... I fell in love with a beautiful German lady (laughs) many years ago. So it was kind of like love that brought me originally to the city of Munich. And when I first came here in uh, December 2014, I honestly didn't know what to expect. I had never really heard much about Munich other than the fact that it was, you know, famous for the Oktoberfest. But I had no idea how incredibly beautiful not only the town was, but the area with the Alps and the, the mountains and the lakes. And I honestly, when I first came here, I fell in love. I said to my wife, I was like, we, we should move here. And she was like, oh, really? It was funny because that's the way it worked out in the end is that my wife was like, well, we don't want to, she didn't, she didn't want to spend a long time in London. Like most stories, she only planned to move there for a few months, right? To do language school. And then she ended up staying in there for three years. 
And then we decide together, let, let's move to Munich. So came from the idea of kind of falling, you know, love at first sight, not only with my wife, but also the city of Munich. And then starting tour guiding and just being so in love with the city and, and so passionate that even after doing, you know, uh, tour guiding for five years now, I'm still in love with it. I still love going every morning to, you know, Marienplatz and seeing everything and seeing just the surprise on people's faces when they get to experience Munich and what it is for the first time as well. So really this combination of being pretzel, very Munich logo, and then a heart. And for me, you know, the pretzel kind of looks like a heart and it was very easy to um, have it kind of it look like a heart. It's not much yeah. changing the logo really. So, and that is when the, the kind of name came to me at the same time, Heart of Munich, Heart of Munich Tours, because many people say like, oh, I'm in the heart of Munich, I'm in the heart of Berlin. And for me, the heart is always like, it's the center, it's the capital of everything that kind mm-hmm. of makes an area great. So it all kind of came together once I'd figured out what the logo was going to be. Yeah, it is a special city, I think. I know Germany reasonably well because I taught German uh, and it's my favourite by far. Do you think yeah. it's fair to say it's slightly, it's different from any other city, isn't it, in, in Germany, do you think? Different atmosphere? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the question is, is, do the people call themselves Germans down here? Because a lot of people prefer to call themselves Bavarians. It is, right. you know, not only is it something that people feel inside themselves, that they're very different, but physically, culturally, historically, I mean, Munich has, Munich has, you know, let's say Bavaria has way more in common with Austria and say Switzerland or any of the Alpine region than it does with the rest of Germany. Mm. You know, it's like this area that's very much full of countryside people, you know, and all the culture and traditions come from the countryside and those that we see in the hub in the city of Munich. So, yeah, and for sure, there's definitely, depending on who you ask, people in the south might be like oh all the people in the north are weird you know like oh Berlin oh we hate Berlin and Berliners and we don't like it and I've been to Berlin many times and I love it because it's different historically um culturally and I've talked to people there and yeah people like oh people in the south they're all weird you know they just wear lederhosen and drink beer and have their funny music and stuff but I feel like it's kind of a friendly competition you know it's Mm. it's the differences between them but it's kind of it's it's in a joking way I would say but yeah definitely totally different which is why I always recommend to people look it's great to go to Berlin the capital but go to Munich go to Hamburg go to Cologne go to Leipzig the former eastern and see all different parts of Germany Mm. and then you realize hey you know what yeah Bavaria is totally different from the rest of Germany but in many amazing ways Mm. and you do you do free tours don't you and paid for one so if, if we start with the free tour so that's a general center of Munich walkabout is it can you tell me roughly what you do on that yeah sure so the free tour is I would say it's a relatively a new thing in the world of tourism it's been around about 10 years or so uh, kind of started in Europe and now it's kind of actually spread outside of Europe the idea of it is that there is no barrier on people that maybe have a budget when they travel and everybody should be able to at least enjoy walking around a new city and learn about it and have a fun time and the idea is that anybody is allowed to join. Um, and then we do the tour first and the entire tour is based off of performance. So you never really know what type of tour guide you're going to get personality wise. And that's kind of fun of it, actually. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of the tour, you get, to, you get to decide yourself, you know, how much you enjoyed it, how professional or fun or silly or funny what the tour guide was, your own preference, and then you pay what you want. And the idea is that, um, in my experience, if you have people that pay for a tour ahead, which in Munich would be the average city tour is about 16 euros, I would say, 
at the end of a free tour, people pay different amounts. So maybe you've got some backpackers that might pay you like, you know, seven, eight euros each. Then you have the families that will pay you 20, 25 euros each. In the end, it kind of actually works out about the same as if you were to do it as a kind of paid ahead. Um, there are many, you know, benefits to it, but it means that people come in, there's no expectation. So mm. every tour guide that does the free tour, they work half their money. We don't have bad days, you know. If you work for another company and you know that you're always going to get paid, then, you know, maybe you turn up a little bit, you know, hungover or haven't had much sleep. And no matter your performance, you're always going to get paid. But I like that. I'm somebody that loves to be paid for my performance. And I make it a performance. I love to make the tours like theatrical and fun and interactive. And really, I suppose, if you want to call it anything like infotainment, you know, like it's about mm-hmm. let's learn some really interesting history. But let's have fun. You guys mm-hmm. on holiday, you know, I want to make you smile, make you laugh. And for me, these are the best tours. Mm. So where can you take us through a little bit, one or two of the places that you take people on this general free tour? Yeah, sure. Um, great thing about the old city of Munich. It's a very small, compact area. So we can actually do quite a lot in the space of just two and a half hours. Uh, honestly, some of my favorite stops, I've got to say the very first stop, Marienplatz, the very center of town. Uh, we got a lot of beautiful buildings around us, like the new and old town halls, uh, nearby church. And it's always fascinating to open up people's eyes. Well, first of all, we look at the architecture that we see around us. A lot of people don't realize that Munich, uh, most of it was destroyed during the war. So it was rebuilt and everything is concrete. But on first perception, you don't see this. Munich really, like the spirit of it, it still feels like a medieval old town when you kind of initially glaze everything. And it still has all these kind of small alleyways and, and, and back streets that make you feel like it's an old city. But as we know, a lot of it is built up in concrete. So on the main square, you have, you know, let's say that 80 percent of the area is concrete. But you see, like you, people don't realize that the architecture is painted on uh, from a distance. So like kind of 3D bricks and then all the buildings are painted different colors and there's murals. So it kind of looks really old. But obviously the story behind it is a little bit different. Mm. And then we have the new town hall which again is confusing because it's only like hundred odd years old, but it's built in a typical neo-Gothic style. So the first stop is very confusing for people, but then we kind of unravel the truth straight away saying, Hey, what are we looking at? What are we actually going to see when we walk around the city in terms of architecture and and real history here? then it's fun to walk around and ask groups like, Hey, do you think this is old? Do you think it is new? Look at all these statues. We've got monks. And lions and snakes and what does all this interesting stuff mean? We have the famous Glockenspiel and that is literally just the first stop alone. So I love the first part of my tour, definitely. Uh, and then halfway through the tour, another one of my favorite stops is when we hit, head into the Hofgarten, which is like the palace gardens, the royal residence. And in this area, we do two stops. We do the nice palace gardens and we kind of talk about how it used to be private. And we start to talk about some of the interesting kings of Bavaria and the amazing and not so amazing things they did. All kings, uh, I always like to say, they always start really good, right? They want to do good things for their people and build monuments and invent things like the Oktoberfest. And then they always end really badly because it's, you know, power, money, greed, and all these bad decisions. Um, also in the palace, uh, when we talk about kings, we get to go to a beautiful kind of secret hidden courtyard. And there's about 10 courtyards within the palace. You can only access a few of them. This one's kind of on the back and it's hidden around the corner of this uh, Spanish language institute. So the few times that I get local Germans from Munich on my tours, are like, wow, I didn't even know that this little garden existed. And it's very cute and quiet. And we go inside there and 
we kind of continue talking about all the interesting and crazy kings of Bavaria. So yeah, that's just two stops on my tour and they're definitely some of my favourite uh, ones mm. to do. What is the residence used for now? It's not a palace anymore, is it? Is it just somewhere to look around or is it is it used for other things? So today it is a museum, uh, a very big museum. I always warn people, by the way, there's, you know, 130 rooms inside, 10 courtyards, and they actually even split it into different parts. So you have like the main palace, which honestly, if you don't do the audio guide, it takes about a good solid two hours, maybe two and a half hours just to walk around. And then you have the uh, treasury, which is a separate part. And then you have the beautiful Kuvalis uh, Theatre as well. So it yeah. is a, a purely a museum today, a very nice one indeed. And actually throughout the year, some of those courtyards that they have, they use them for like opera, which is, I mean, I know some of the palace was rebuilt, but just the atmosphere of sitting in like this beautiful old royal residence and the opera. And you know what? Once a year, they actually do a completely free opera festival, which is really amazing. Oh. Just in front of the residence on where the uh, theatre is as well, the Opera House, sorry, on Max Joseph Square. And then, say, for at Christmas time, they'll put a few Christmas markets inside. Uh, one of them will be based off of uh, some of my favourite historical stories, you know, the famous Grimm Brothers. A lot of these stories like Frog Prince and Snow White and uh, Little Red Riding Hood, all this old German folklore. So it's a great time to come to Munich during Christmas, to be honest. So, yeah, they do use it you know, culturally and for entertainment, and then obviously historically with the wonderful museum as well. Are there ever performances in the theatre? Or is that literally just a museum now? No, no, it's a fully functioning theatre. Oh, yeah, I did not know yeah, that. Yeah, they actually have two of them. I mean, Munich is a big uh, city for opera, for theatre, yes. for music and its many forms. Munich has many nicknames. One of them is the City of Festivals. It is not just about Oktoberfest. Uh, whenever that's not on, a lot of the main squares will be using for other kind of art and small music festivals as well, which is really nice. Right. Yeah. But you <laughs> do a beer tour as well, don't you, which I was quite interested in. Can you tell us what, where you take people? What do you do on this beer tour if, it, if it's not obvious? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I suppose people come to Munich also to drink. I mean, why not? You know, many people call Munich the uh, beer capital of the world. So many fun parts of tradition and culture. But uh, there's one place in Munich, in my opinion, is the best place to take people to learn about this history. It's called the Beer and Oktoberfest Museum. Um, it's amazing. It's actually one of the oldest buildings in all of the city. It was originally built in the 1300s. used to be a home full of families. Eventually, it became this museum. Uh, and it honestly still looks like that inside, hundreds of years old. You've got really low ceilings, beautiful original uh, wooden foundations. Uh, the whole downstairs is completely dark. There's no windows. It's like a cave. They have these old walls made out of like concrete and stones they took from a local river brewing equipment everywhere so we always go there first and we we try some samples of beer we talk about it the history of it and the breweries and then we'll head upstairs into the museum and walk around for like 30 minutes and just talk about the history why it's connected to the city and just really fun things about the the, the um, Oktoberfest itself and then we usually go to a restaurant uh, I have a couple of personal favorites and I always talk with the customers Maybe it's they've already been to Munich and they've probably been to the Hofra house. So do they want to go somewhere else, which I really like? Are, are they vegan, for instance? There are today some actually we have some great Bavarian vegan restaurants. So everybody's welcome and you can still eat a lot of this uh, cultural food. Uh, we go for a lovely dinner. One of my favorite places is the Schneiderweiser, which is in the center of town. 
but only because they're experts in um, selling wheat beer. And that's my favorite. They have 10 different taps. So we'll go to the restaurant. And in my tour, it's different. The food is not all paid for because I want people to be able to choose what they want to eat. So we'll go through the menu. Do you want to choose like the Käsespätzle, which is definitely my favorite, which is, you know, you can't go wrong with some uh, pasta and cheese and uh, dried onions. Or maybe they want to try the famous Schweinsachse, like the pork knuckle, which everybody wants, or the knudel, like the dumpling. Uh, and then if they think they, uh, that's not enough food, they can always have a dessert, have some Kaiserschmann, which is amazing. It's like bits of torn off pancakes with applesauce and plum sauce. Beautiful. So a lot of really healthy food, obviously. Uh, yeah, and then we'll go through the, the beers they have there. It's slightly different. Uh, and then after that, maybe we'll end inside the Hofbräu house because it just has this kind of mini Oktoberfest experience. So, yeah, it's all about learning history. But again, we're just having fun. All the beer is, the tour is, in, is included. But the food is not because I want people to kind of choose and, you know, pay for what they want to pay for. And not everybody who comes on the beer tour actually wants to eat. So just kind of like makes it a little bit more relaxing. But yeah, mm. a lot of great places to go to. My favorite place is definitely the Beer and Oktoberfest Museum, which I also go drinking. It's like my local in the city as well. The people are super friendly and they speak pretty good English inside there as well. Right. I don't know anything about beer. So can you sort of summarize German beer? What do I need to know? Are there different sorts, different categories? Yeah, sure. I think the most important thing you have to understand is that there's not a lot of beer here to try. It's not all about craft beers and experimentation because it's a wonderful old city. Uh, they have uh, their famous beer purity law, the Reinheitsgebot, which actually started in Munich in 1487. And today it only includes five ingredients, so like barley, hops, water, wheat, and yeast. And the four beers, yeah, three or four beers that they pretty much brew, we have Helles, which is like your light lager, Dunkel, the dark beer, uh, Weiss beer, or the white beer, or the, the wheat beer. And they have the Bock beer, which is the stronger one. So really, it's kind of like, they keep things simple, but yeah. they make these really nice beers. And you will find those four beers everywhere that you go. So I always tell people, I'm not going to tell you like where the best beer is, because the best beer is just everywhere. But it just depends where you want to drink it. So we have like the big six breweries, which most people know, like our Hofbräu and Augustina and Paulana and Spartan. Like people know these ones that they're, they're internationally famous. And then we have hundreds of local, regional, like monastery beers. Um, and I always recommend uh, they're a little bit different. Like the Helles is always a little bit different depending on where you go. But the guarantee is going to be very easy to drink. Nothing about the beers is too strong or too sour or too sweet. Like they're made for anybody to enjoy in any age. And that is why I recommend, look, maybe you're not a big beer drinker, but go and try an Augustina Helles. I can guarantee you might, you, you, you might, won't start drinking, you know, but you're like, you know what? I can really appreciate and understand why people love beer here so much and why it's a casual part of everyday life and a part of culture and why people like to do it all the time as well. Yeah. Can you just, for people who haven't been to the Hofbräu House, can you just mm -hmm. describe what it's like when you walk in? Because it's, it's an atmosphere like none other, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So obviously there's a reason why people love to go there. A gigantic building. Uh, downstairs is original. Upstairs was bombed but rebuilt. Downstairs, think of a big open hall, uh, beautiful murals painted all over the ce ceiling loads and tables and benches and you do not book a table to go there you always walk inside sit down with people you don't know could be tourists from america or india or it could be locals wearing lederhosen on their stammtisch which means like their reserved table 
Uh, you have a beautiful big courtyard as well. You can seat like 2,000 people downstairs and you go there for the atmosphere. You go there to make new friends, you go there to drink and you go there for the music. It is very loud. It can be a little bit obnoxious at times, I'm not going to lie, but it's fun. You know, people might be dancing and it's this typical like Bavarian brass band and music. So that is why I always say, look, it's going to be a bit crazy inside. It's going to be like a 5% Oktoberfest experience, but it's totally worth going at least once during your stay. Go in the evening if you want the loudness or the afternoon if you want it nice and calm. And then once you've been there, lots of other great places to go and drink as well. Because mm, you've got lots of the outdoor gardens as well, haven't you? Yeah, exactly. And, and it's obvious, right, beer gardens were also invented <laughs> in the city of Munich. So we have around about 80 beard gardens all over. There might just be... Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, all over the city of Munich. Every beer hall has seating outside. So we'd class that as a beer garden. But only the traditional beer gardens are surrounded by trees because many hundreds of years ago when we didn't have refrigeration technology and the beer was stored in barrels underground to keep it nice and cool, a lot of these breweries, breweries would plant trees above them because they were still right about the sunshine heating up the surface. So they grew these big trees. Uh, traditionally chestnut trees because they grow very big and wide and the roots are very shallow and wide as well so it's perfect if you have a kind of a cellar just underneath and uh, you can imagine that history the guy that or, or girl woman that had the eureka moment was like hey you know what we've got beer underground we've got trees shade all we have to do is put benches and tables right and people will come and sit here and that's how it happened people love being outside of munich beer gardens are the best one of the best things you can do during the, the nice periods of weather as well. Mm, right. Okay, thank you. Now, I've had loads of your time. Let me just ask you a few quick fire questions to end up. Sure. And we'll just go over the details of the company again, although I will put all that in the notes so people can find it. You may have answered this already. I was going to say to you, your personal favourite spot in Munich, but have you already told me it's it's that beer museum? Yeah, look, to drink, it's definitely the Beer in Oktoberfest Museum. But just to relax, like have lunch, the Hofgarten, which is the Palace Gardens, only because in the middle there's a little pavilion. And quite often in the week there's musicians or people doing salsa dancing or doing some painting and stuff. So it's a nice place to kind of see what the locals are doing and just enjoy the beautiful, calm area. And it leads on to the English Garden, so you can always kind of continue having a little walk around there as well. It's very nice. Right, okay. And food and drink, your personal favourite. So if you're not, you haven't got any guests with you, you're just out yourself for a meal. What you Okay. <laughs> food and drink wise. I'm definitely going to get a wheat beer, like no matter which company it's from. I love wheat beer. Big fan of that. Food wise, I would, I'm honestly, I've got to stick with the staple, which is Kaiserspitzler. That's why I'm always talking about it. It's my favourite. It's just, it's just the food that makes you feel happy and, you know, warm. It's like getting a warm cuddle inside. Can't so go wrong with pasta and cheese. Bets are little bits of pasta, is that right? Yeah, exactly. Small little bits of pasta, usually a cheese, a local cheese melted on top. And then you have usually dried onions as well. So this I mean, is always the, like my go-to meal. The name sounds very German, and yet we all think of pasta as being Italian. So it, it's this Bavarian dish, is it? Yeah, a lot of these dishes are kind of Bavarian or Austrian, mm. basically. Very similar types of food that we have. Okay, hard one to finish. Can you sum up what you like about Munich in one sentence? Oh, goodness. In one sentence? That's so difficult. Um, let me think. Um, a small, underrated, beautiful, historical, yet modern city with a culture 
and tradition that you can see, smell and taste. There we go. <laughs> oh, there we go. Excellent. Well done. OK, thanks. If we just finish by just going over then what, what your company does. So we've talked about the free tour that you do. We've talked yeah. about the beer tour. Uh, I also do a day trip to the uh, beautiful Neuschwanstein Castle, mm-hmm. otherwise known as the Disney Castle. And that is definitely the most, I'd say, popular tour overall. The reason right. why people come to Munich is either to talk about Reich history or to go and see the Disney Castle, as we call it. And this is just, it's beautiful. Castle on the Alps, lakes, history, kings. You, you can't want more from this. And it's beautiful all season round. And then the last tour, I, last tour I do is the bike tour, which is really for people that want to kind of go a little bit further out of the old city, go in the beautiful English garden, uh, the university district, museum district. And then my favorite part of the city to cycle is definitely the Isar River. Very beautiful. And you go along that, do you, on the bike tour? Yeah, exactly. As much as possibly can, because it's just so nice to always cycle along the river. And there's churches and monuments and old Roman baths, like as you go along a lot of interesting things to see right okay so lots to choose from and i'll put the yeah. website address obviously on the show notes so people can find that i think we've covered everything do you feel yeah, anything we've yeah great yeah. yeah definitely i hope i've sold munich to people i know a lot of people travel to germany firstly they'll go to berlin but i really highly recommend to come to munich it's just mm. it's a place that people will visit and be kind of surprised by how nice it is mm. and how interesting it is mm. and how you can use it as a hub to do day trips like salzburg and Nuremberg and Neuschwanstein Castle so definitely worth a weekend or five days really mm. is perfect, I would say. and if you're a city and country person it works quite well doesn't it because you can have it those. is perfect mm. you can drive you can jump on the train to the mountains or the lakes it is super easy and I always say if anyone has any if anyone has any questions recommendations they can always contact me through my website I'm always happy to help people make the most and plan their trip here brilliant Well, I hope you can hear from that how enjoyable it would be to be taken round Munich by Jax. He's too modest to tell us what wonderful reviews he's got from people that he has taken on tours, but I went a-snooping on the website and picked a few out. Here are some snippets. Lots of comments on the tour round the city itself, whether that be the free tour or the private tour that you can book. The atmosphere was super nice, said somebody. Jax showed us the big highlights, but also gave us insider tips and showed us special places. One person's tip was, do this at the beginning of your visit and get an overview of things to go back to for the rest of the trip. Jax is an informative guide, said somebody, with, quote, the appropriate amount of humour injected. It was a fantastic tour. And someone else left a two-word comment in German, which reads, voll erstklassig, which translates as something like, totally first class. Lots of good comments too about the beer tour. One person went as part of a family group, three generations, and says, At the start, I mentioned to the guide that we had a couple of people over 70 with us, and he was very mindful and patient with the little extra time they took to move around. I think it speaks volumes for Jacks that other people who took children or teenagers were also very happy. Quote, My 19-year-old nephew and I took this tour tonight with Jacks and a group of 20 or so others. I learned a little about beer and a lot about Oktoberfest. That person went on to explain that they'd enjoyed a few different beers from three of the big six local breweries, as well as some tasty Bavarian food. Someone else on the beer tour. It was great. We met some amazing people and had a blast. We got a great history lesson and some beer. Positive comments for the bike tour too. 
This is a great orientation to Munich, said somebody. We got a nice overview of the city highlights and we used it to decide what we wanted to see more of. Jack's, our guide, was wonderful and full of energy. If you feel a bit nervous about the idea of biking around a city, here's a different review on that topic. Don't be intimidated by biking through the city. Once you get away from the main station, it's very easy to navigate, and Jack's did a great job keeping everyone together and ensuring no one got lost. He also had a wealth of knowledge about Munich and German history. And they went on to mention that, of course, there was a lunch stop for beer and food. And while others said, do this on the first day and find out what you want to see more of, this person wrote, it was a great way to close our vacation. So, I feel very happy to recommend Heart of Munich. I'll give you the website address once more, www.heartofmunich.com, which of course will be in the show notes as well. Okay, so closing for today, just to mention quickly that next week, in fact, we are going to hear more from Jax. He had lots to tell me about two of his specialist tours, which are related to the darker side of Munich. There's a Third Reich tour about the rise of Hitler during the 1920s and 30s, much of which centred on Munich. And then he organises a tour out to Dachau, the concentration camp, a few miles outside the city. And when I spoke to him, he had lots of interest to say about Munich and this part of its history, about the need to know about it and to treat it respectfully. Jax, as he explains, actually has family connections to the Second World War, and so he's very keen that people should know the story and respect the history. I didn't want to rush any of that, so I've made it into a separate episode which will be coming out exactly a week today. I hope you'll be able to join me for that. I hope that you've enjoyed what you've heard today. And of course, to sign off, I would like to say thank you and goodbye. But let's do that in German. Vielen Dank und auf Wiederhören. <laughs>